0: April 14th, 2021. I hope everybody's doing well and well-rested off our Monday trade deadline show, which, uh, in my humble opinion, was a huge success thanks to all of you, many of you that uh, were right there with us on our our two-hour run. First time we've uh, pulled off something like that, record numbers. Give yourselves all a, a pat on the back. I'm certainly tipping my hat to you all today uh over a 1000 a live viewers and I don't know much about this digital world but everybody tells me that uh 10% of of your subscribers over 10% is quite an accomplishment so thank you Joe Jordan thank you guys uh
1: it w- it was a fun day wasn't it had a great time you know I love the trade stuff man
0: yeah and uh and we're glad everybody uh So our thumbnail today, of course, revolves uh, about what we witnessed the last 48 hours, including some of them new players that we talked about on Monday making their debut. We're going to get into that. So it's about the winners and the losers here. And for me, maybe I was a winner because uh, I get a break from Doug McLean today. So maybe that makes me a winner. (laughs) Maybe a lot of you think that uh, you're losers today because you don't get Mac. But uh, after uh, grinding him out for two hours, uh, we we figured we'd give him the day off. So what do we do? We go find someone that uh, every bit of experience in the executive uh, role, including playing, including being a top pick. In the NHL draft, the first American player, first overall in 1993, I bring you Brian Lawton out of New York.
2: Lots, how are you, pal? I'm doing great, and uh, please give my apologies to Doug for that introduction. He'll be completely choked about that. Doug, you are the king. Oh, mad at me? (laughs) Dipper said this stuff, not me. We all know about your long and deep history in this business. It was terrific. I will say it on air. Mac had an incredible career. And I'm sure he was awesome on trade deadline day. Would have loved to tune in myself, Kipper. But as you know, yes, I was working on NHL Network.
0: And we're going to get into your day and what y- you went through. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the fallout 24 hours later last night. Uh, many guys uh, debuting, including Anthony Mantha, from uh, with a goal and assist to, for the Washington Capitals in a, in a big win. Um, it's funny, you know. I'm I'm watching you kind of prepare before we went live, and we always scream to Doug, "Shut your blinds! Shut your blinds! It's too dark!" Or it's, it's uh, <laughs> and then here you are. And it's like. You want me to get my blinds and then you push a, an electronic button and and you start working <laughs> your uh, your blinds and I'm like, oh, if, if Doug McClain sees that, I'm done now. It, it's <laughs> over. You've you've won up Doug McLean. That's <laughs> a
2: that's really hard to do, lot. <laughs> well, as you know, Kipper, uh, that that goes to the credit goes to my wife on that one. <laughs> I would never think of. Uh, I used to uh, kill myself practically trying to close the blinds in this particular room. We're in New York City, uh, Upper East Side. Beautiful day here for everybody out there watching. You should know New York City is back. Good. And I mean back in a huge way, and it's great to see. We
0: want to hear that, especially here in Ontario, where we're going through a full lockdown uh, for, for the rest of the month. A lot of people not happy. We hope we're doing the right thing, but... Uh, we'll we'll see how it plays out here. Uh, lots. Uh, we're going to get into so much, including lots. I want to talk to you about this 15-year-old phenom named Connor Bedard out in the West uh, Western Hockey League. Uh, he's been incredible. You may be the perfect guy. You may be one of the only guys out there that could truly understand what it's like to have the hype of a uh, as a 15-year-old, a teenager. Ah, uh, you going first overall, so we're gonna we're gonna pick your brain on that one uh, a little later on in the show. So a lot of you listeners and followers uh, look forward to that. Uh, but in the meantime, first of all, let's let's talk about uh, your work at the NHL Network and what what your day kind of shaped up, and overall what you thought. Was it more than what we expected in a pandemic? Because what, about Three weeks ago, we're sitting there going, is there going to be any movement at all of any significance with no cash, you know, no revenue coming in? How did it uh, play out for you? Uh,
2: I thought it played out very well, and I have no doubt that your show with Doug was amazing, and I also believe you guys are amazing, but it helps when all the teams can jump in and contribute with some information to digest and break down, and we saw a little bit of everything including an actual real, I know it's a little bit of a unicorn, but an actual real hockey trade at the end of the day. I love that, but we saw some teams being more creative. Saw how much of a copycat league the NHL still is. Tampa does a deal with Savard. They utilize another team. By the end of the day, the Toronto Maple Leafs got themselves some action of that. I love that. Um, We saw teams taking risk. We had a little bit of everything. I was really pleasantly surprised how much volatility there was, certainly from Saturday on. We we're expecting nothing. You've done millions of these trade deadline deals, yeah. Kipper. I've sat there with you in the That's past right. for some of them, and we've twiddled our thumbs. and uh, this one was uh, it wasn't the biggest ever, but it was more than we expected, and for that, I was very grateful, because as you know, it's hard to do a show when you don't have anything to talk about. So what time did you start Monday? Were you uh, 8 a.m.
0: Uh, like the like usual?
2: Yeah, my schedule was originally supposed to be on at 8 a.m. till 2 with Sportsnet, just doing a hit every day, every, excuse me, every hour from down here at NHL Studios and then NHL Network would go from 2 to 4. As it turned out, because of COVID, as a lot of people know, Sportsnet ended up not starting till noon. I ended up in turn, the network. Not really wanting to not be on the air, decided to do a show at 10, which I did with Tony Luffman for two hours, 10 to noon. And then I joined Sportsnet for a couple of hits in between noon and two. And then I jumped on and did a two hour show for the network with Kevin Weeks and Tony Luffman. So I, I got a full day, that's for sure. Uh, I love this stuff. I love this day. Having been a general manager, Kipper, it's one of the few days where you feel like you have a chance. To actually meaningfully contribute
0: just just on one more note uh, was the coffee uh, and the and the donuts a lot fresher at the NHL network than i remember them at sportsnet <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a little bit now i was old sportsnet so i didn't see the taj mahal that is their studios now as a matter of fact i haven't i've never stopped in and that's a mistake on my part i need to do that but uh yes it was a little fresher uh, Everything was uh, a little bit fresher. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoy working at NHL Network. I can tell you that because of the changes last minute, we had a small show for the, those first two hours. When I was walking out there, I looked at Tony Hoffman. I said, Tony, you know that Davy slayed Goliath with a pebble, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Tony right. just looked at me and said, "Lots. you promised you wouldn't go biblical on me. I said, okay, I'm just joking. Have a great show. That's great.
0: Okay, uh, we're, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts, including uh, Anthony Manthan, the 6-1 uh, shellacking of the Philadelphia Flyers and all of that, but even prior to that, uh, the scramble for some of these guys to get to locations, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, except the, the planes weren't commercial. <laughs> They're charter and there's limos involved, but lots compared to 21 to even our years, it's still a, a, an, a tough day, right? Going up into a trade deadline. Your experience over the years, uh, some guys, it really bothered. Some guys, I, I, I would watch Going into trade deadline, and they were a basket case lots. It's really a, it's a it's a mind fuck, okay twenty four, forty eight hours for some guys into a trade deadline. How was it when when you played? How, how How did you handle it?
2: I think it was the same for everybody back then. The league was different. It was a little bit more akin to indentured servitude. Clubs had all the power in the world. That's changed over the years. It's changed with the salary cap. It's been a new. Benefit for the players. Um, I saw a lot of craziness, a lot of nervous players. I was one of them on some years, some years hopeful to be moved, other years not wanting to be experienced at all. I saw some really bad jokes at times. I can remember when we traded Mo Mantha for Keith Acton, and uh, Mo came and joined us. I think by the end, we weren't playing that night, but we were having a dinner as a team. And I remember Mo walked in. And uh, one of the players, I won't say who, <laughs> stands up and says, uh, what are you doing here? Oh, I got traded for Keith Acton. And he said there, and he didn't say a word. He looked at him. He said, well, and he knew the trade. And he said to Mo, well, who else came with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was That's a most, great line. That was not the most gracious team I was ever on. But uh, yeah, I just sucked my head and said, I don't know.
0: That it is, is hilarious. Know,
2: a, a little less sensitive to what we see today. And the world yes. is better better for it, but that—that that, that yeah. is literally verbatim. And then we saw uh, so,
0: big save Dave Riddick uh, get traded and then still spend the next, what, uh, 24 hours uh, in Calgary and then actually getting on the same flight as the Calgary Flames to go play against them
2: like that wouldn't happen say, in a
0: gazillion years in our no,
2: era. Nope. I do remember I took one flight as a player with an entire, another team. And it was probably one of the greatest amounts of hockey talent in any one place. I was playing for team USA in 1984, Canada cup. It just played Canada in uh, team Canada, and either Montreal or Halifax. We played him in an exhibition game, and then we shared a charter. It was <laughs> team USA, and I can't remember if we were the we were in the front. Canada was in the back. that was where they wanted to be. Of course, they had status over us back yeah. then. I, and i can, I can remember sitting there and somebody came on right before we were supposed to take off, and there was a big discussion up front. We don't know if we could let this happen. What would happen if this plane went down? Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier. Paul Coffey, Ray Bork, Michel Goulet. I mean, there was so much talent on that plane. Nobody said a word to anybody on the other team. It was a different era. Nowadays, the guy gets traded and he flies with his team to the new city.
0: You know, the, the,
2: the backseat's all
0: about uh, the fact that uh, you can't see when they pelt you with the peanut packages.
2: Well, Of course. Of course. Of course. Plus, you always want to see who's coming to get you. As a player, we always wanted to sit in the back. You know that, Kipper. You want to see if anyone's coming down to grab you for a little chat. Exactly. (laughs) All right, lots.
0: you mentioned uh, the the big trade at at the end. And it was okay because we had exhausted for weeks, if not months, that Taylor Hall was a name. David Savard was a name. Nick Fellino was the name. Anthony Mantha? No one talked about Anthony, Anthony Mantha. That was the one that came down uh, that, that nobody saw moving forward. Now, I had heard rumblings, of course, about the frustration in Detroit with Anthony Mantha and how it was at times disappointing to the the organization and obviously Steve Eiserman, but for Steve Eiserman to have shopped him, and that's not a trade that you just decide to make on the weekend, is it, Brian? That's something that you have probably set out for a long time. You keep your powder dry, and then you pull the trigger when you have to. I was really impressed with Steve Eiserman on this deal as a, as a former executive, a general manager, how did you see it play out?
2: You know, uh, I thought Stevie did a great job. The initial reaction to me was this has an opportunity to be a win-win trade, which is what you're trying to do in a real hockey trade. The initial reaction in the marketplace was they were blown away by how, how lopsided this deal would be for the Detroit Red Wings because they get Jacob ferrano who is a good player. Uh, a somewhat comparable player, not quite at Mantha's level, in my opinion, but a guy that's been good. Then, of course, you add the picks in, and everybody immediately went to, "This is amazing." I do think it's a good trade for Detroit, but I also think it's a good trade for Washington, and I'll tell you why. First of all, in terms of Anthony Mantha, I could see why Detroit wanted to move on. They've been very gracious in their comments about him, but it's hard for me to imagine that they didn't want him, watch him. Want a little more I think at times that he was maybe just a little bit of an uninspired player a guy with his size and talent you would think the sky's the limit we saw it in the world championship when he went off for 14 points him and Mark Stone of course that doesn't help having Mark Stone on your line but that's the pinnacle as good as I've seen Anthony play as a pro uh, so from Detroit's perspective, they felt really good about it, although Stevie would never say that. And Stevie hasn't said that. A lot of analytics people have said that not Stevie. Uh, the second round pick, take that out of the equation and just think of that in terms of this was the price for Washington to pay to unwind themselves from a contract that had not worked out well with a player that actually we drafted when I was the GM in Tampa, Richard Ponick, a guy I know well, but just they just weren't getting the value dollar for dollar on him that they need to get. All teams, when you get to be as good as Washington and a lot of the elite teams in the league, are, you have to have maximum efficiency in your roster. And and hurting them in their eyes, they paid a second-round pick, which is a pretty good price for Detroit, but they do unwind that contract, which has term left. So now you're talking about Verana or Anthony Mantha and the first, right? So the first going with Verana, obviously, yeah. and Mantha going to Washington. Um, that seems like an aggressive price, but I always think you want to get the best player in the trade. A lot of people talk about that. In this case, even though I like Verana, I do think that happened for Washington.
0: We've seen... Over the past especially in, in Tampa Bay with Stevie Arserman, that it just seems that uh if if Stevie Y looks at you a certain way and just doesn't he doesn't like you, he it, it's it's known. It's you're on your way out and we saw it with the likes of off the top of my head, Le Cavalier, Saint Louis, Jonathan Druin, that if he's if if he's if you're not his type of player, you just you guess have no chance. And you know Anthony Mantha, I was surprised lots that he just wouldn't give it a little bit longer. We know that Mantha had signed that long term deal, uh, five seven, if I'm not mistaken. You 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 okay with that? Were you okay with that back then? Did you see enough now that he's what 26 years of age that? He warrants a contract like that? Is there a chance that he could still underperform for the Washington Capitals albeit not last night?
2: There's certainly a chance. I didn't like the contract back then. I thought it was a little rich for what he had performed, but you know it's easy to second guess teams contracts. That's what we do. It's not always fair. In Detroit's case, they had a chance to see this guy up close and personal and obviously they believed that contract was on the come. There's some pretty big expectations and a very high ceiling for Anthony Mantha He was not achieving that in the short term, and that contract probably felt onerous for them. So they certainly didn't jump at the chance to move him because they wouldn't have got that return if they had jumped at it. In the end, I think they made a smart decision. I'm not sure that any player at Anthony's age who is not old necessarily fit with the timeline of when they're going to be particularly good in Detroit. And for that kind of return, I feel like it works with Detroit's master plan. Stevie took over Tampa after we were there. We had drafted Stamkos and Hedman. Those are two ready-to-go, in-the-bag Hall of Fame players. He goes to Detroit. I'm sure he looked at how things had come to fruition in Tampa. Stevie finished eighth, his first year in Tampa. After two years of cleaning up a roster, getting rid of players, trying to make some bigger moves, you and I have discussed, but getting shut down on some of them, unfortunately. And now he's in Detroit. Draft lottery has changed. You can't be historically bad and guarantee yourself that you're going to pick in the top two. It used to be the case. Stevie took over, that was the case. We changed that in 15 and 16 to make the lottery a little bit more penal maybe for teams that tried to do that. In Detroit's case, unfortunately, they haven't had great luck in the lottery. I think that forced Stevie to think deeper, and he's done that. And that's why Stevie's so special as a GM. He's incredibly hardworking, but he's a really deep thinker. And now the strategy to me looks more like, yes, we're still going to go for high picks. We're also going to accumulate an abundance of picks. Overwhelming numbers. We're going to do it that way, and I think that's going to pay off really great for him. If there was any criticism I'd say to any team this year, I would say that it wouldn't be criticism. It would be, what are your thoughts on the strangest of years this year in terms of the draft? We know that Detroit and a couple other teams wanted to change the date of the draft. Why? Because they hadn't seen these guys, Kipper. They're nervous about their evaluations. Every team is nervous, not just Detroit. So they wanted more time to add more certainty. What does that mean for the context of the draft? It means when we look back at this year, higher picks are going to be worth less and lower picks are going to be worth more. And those are the type of strategies that you've got to make bets on. And if you're right, they're going to really pay off. You and I will look back in a few years and we'll see that. I think teams are going to hit a fifth round pick doesn't hit very often. I think the rate is going to be higher this year. I, I think want it'll to get be higher that. for fourth.
0: Brian, I want to get into that a little later on in the show in terms of uh, uh, the draft and, and what we can expect. We all heard the news that the Memorial Cup was officially canceled. Uh, they're playing out west. The Ontario Hockey League uh, here in, uh, in the junior ranks never got started. So I, I, want, to, I want to kind of bring that sure. uh, a little later on in, in the show as well. Uh, I'm Nick Kiprios. We got Brian Lawton here on the Real Kipper at Noon show. Thanks for watching, everybody. And if first time watcher, hit the subscribe button. We're closing in on 10,000, which is uh, again a milestone for us that we're we're going to be proud of uh, real soon here. So uh, keep the comments coming. Uh, one more thought uh, revolving around uh, Washington Capitals. Lots is. For a team that's trying to win a Stanley Cup and, and is in the here and now mode, much like the Boston Bruins and a few others out there, they're goaltending. They 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 got Craig Anderson there, uh, you know, somewhere tucked away nicely, but I was kind of surprised that they didn't want to go out there and maybe get somebody a little bit more present. Not many uh-huh. options out there. We saw Colorado go with uh, Devin Dubnik, but no,
2: not a top priority. Samsonov is the guy. I think they feel comfortable. I did a little digging on that, and I know they feel comfortable with the guys they had. I know they didn't have a lot of options, but certainly cap space was their biggest issue. Uh, part of the reason why a guy like Verana absolutely had to be included in that deal is just to create some cap space. That's why I credit Detroit for, for recognizing that and making Washington still... A, a pretty good price in order to move him along with panic of course but Samsonov to me is you know I, you and I have chatted a bunch of times about Sabinajad and Taylor Hall both had COVID well, guess what so did Samsonov and when I look at his numbers and how he's played I see a team that's had a couple of false starts with him in terms of trying to get him going giving him some starts his play's been erratic he's got some really good games then he's got some awful games, and I still – I'm going to put him in with Taylor Hall and Zubinjad as guys that had a little – have had, and in Zubinajad's case, I think he's through it. In Hall's case, I watched him last night. Boston is a great fit for him. It was a good price they paid, a good bet by the Boston Bruins. He still didn't have the pop I'm looking for. I thought he might get a little bit of energy off the change of scenery going to a winning club – I still don't see that leg power, Kipper, and you and I have talked about this a zillion times. Taylor Hall's best asset is he's a beast of a man, and he can fly around the ice. I'm not convinced he still doesn't have a little COVID hangover, and I think that's problematic for Samsonov as well. So who knows when that's going to happen? It just clicked for Zabinijad. and then he looked like himself. And I watched their shifts. Zbigniew couldn't beat anybody up the ice like he could last year. Now I'm watching him and he, he just blew around somebody last night or maybe game before that where I was like that's the guy that we know. Will that happen for Taylor Hall? I hope it does for Boston. If it does, it'll be huge. Will it happen for Washington? Same thing. If not, then maybe be like the year that the Caps won the Cup where Grubauer was a starter for the first two games of the playoffs. 16
0: and a half minutes. I think uh, half a dozen shots on goal. He had a a decent look uh, for a game winner. Unlike Zabanajad, though, lots. I would probably be safe to say that Taylor Hall's confidence level uh, has never been worse, Uh, probably since he's ever played the game. Best player on every team he's played on. For him to be going what he went through in Buffalo – it can't be that easy of a switch to hit. There's There's got to be some building blocks. And I can't think of a better way for Taylor Hall to come out of this than being surrounded by a guy like uh, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Marchand, and Pasternak. These, these guys are real winners.
2: They certainly have the room to help him out significantly. I, I like Taylor Hall as a player. There's some things that have gone wrong for him, the shooting percentage, obviously. Um, But when it's all said and done, I look at that situation, and and Kipper, I have to tell you, I have to ask why. Why $8 million in Buffalo? Why not do what Tyson Berry did? I don't care if someone will pay me. Tyson Berry signed for 375 in Edmonton. But he signed in a place that was a perfect fit for his yeah. skill set. Yeah. He's looking for a big long term deal. Well, guess what? So is Taylor Hall. Yeah. In a year when players are collecting 72%, they're going to be a mercenary. To me, this whole season yeah. was ill fated. I hope he can save it. But I look at that decision and say, boy, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in that conversation because well, I would have grabbed Taylor Hall and said, I'm sorry. Buffalo looks like they have promise. They have a great centerman, but they're not going to win a lot. And, Taylor, you need to get on a team where you're going to win. You're going to maybe get a little bit cover and rebuild your game back up. That didn't happen. Um, I wish him well. I hope for him and the Boston Bruins. He plays great. but I have to ask why. We
0: we know he was not – he didn't bet on the Buffalo Sabres. He bet on Jack Eichel. Yeah. and. Yeah, no that, one. That,
2: that's a fair statement.
0: No one saw Jack Eichel having that miserable of a season. It's quite shocking, to be quite honest with you, that he struggled, then everybody else struggled. Or is it everybody else struggled, then Jack str- struggled? I, 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 The $10 million player has to come first on, on who struggles first.
2: All I know is that... Uh... I would have been looking at Boston, which he admittedly said he was. I would have been looking at Colorado. I would have been looking at places where I knew the team was going to win. And I'm confident enough in myself as a player that first line, second line, it doesn't matter. I'm going to excel. He would have done that in those places. It'd be a completely different story. Now, the COVID that might have derailed him, too, so we'll never know. But I just didn't like the way that one went down. I didn't like the feel of it. I didn't like the way Buffalo Sabres handled that negotiation, quite frankly. Um, and I'm, I don't mean with Taylor Hall. I mean in trading him. Taylor Hall still should have netted a first-round pick. There were still plenty of teams. Contrary to what anybody reports, I've spoken oh, to tell us. enough teams.
0: I, I, tell I us, mean, because – I, I had the sense lots that there was no first-rounder out there.
2: No, not true. There were teams that absolutely would have. I know for a fact I spoke but they, to team they team this needed, morning.
0: They needed to get it to Monday, though. Yes, they so, needed to
2: get it to Monday. So what
0: you're saying is Kevin Adams, he buckled. He buckled. There's, there's no other way. He uh, it, called his bluff. I'm not Boston there. Boston called his yeah. bluff. The,
2: the part I took exception with, for the Buffalo Sabres organization, this is multi-million dollar business. When you have a star player that you gave a no move to, as Kevin Adams did, you got to have the discussion up front, Kipper. If it doesn't go well, we may trade you. I'll give you a no move. But when we get there, you need to give me five teams. Just have the conversation up front. I doubt that happened. Maybe it happened. If it did, Kevin Adams should say that. Now, when you do get there, at least a few weeks out, you know it's a possibility. You need to go with the player, Kipper, and say, hey, I'm thinking about trading you. You have a no move. Do you want to be traded? And if the player says, yes, I'll go to one team, say good luck in the summer, dude. It ain't happening because I can't trade you without embarrassing this organization to one team. And to me, I don't know what happened there, but I find it strange. That's 101 managing. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, Kipper. You've got to be ready to say, if you just have one. I had this happen to me by a player in Tampa. Wanted to be traded to one team. Came in my office out of the blue. One team he wanted to go to. I listened very carefully. I asked him for his thoughts. I asked him what transpired, what changed. I made one phone call and I never heard about it again. You can imagine these are not situations to go lightly on. Can, Taylor can, Hall should have provided three can teams. We have a name? Buffalo Sabres paid him a lot. Can, can I throw out a name? You can throw out a name, but I'm very good friends with him, and I have no problem with what happened. Okay, so with that player, but we're not just, talking about Vinny in Montreal. No, no, we're not. We're talking about a different player that wanted to be traded. He wanted to be traded. He told me he wanted to be traded, and he told me that Only he wanted to team. go to. Only one team. And I just said, yeah. I listened carefully, I gave it the time it deserved, and I just said that's not in our best interest.
0: Well, you you made it wasn't you...
2: in the best interest to have one team to trade Taylor Hall, and you saw the outcome, Kipper, and it cost yeah. the Buffalo Savers yeah. millions of dollars. Yeah, you of know value.
0: What? Lots, you make a, a, a real strong point here that I didn't think to. The mistake was a one year deal on a team that you weren't sure was gonna make the playoffs or not. They didn't cover their asses. Uh, he he needed he needed five
2: he needed five to provide five five teams would
0: uh don't a even do it. The
2: player doesn't right the player has the right to not be traded and you have the right to not trade him. Where are your balls at? Yeah. Zipper? Where are the yeah. coholders? You gotta look a guy in the eye and say, look, I can't do that effectively. Be truthful, be honest with him. It's gonna embarrass the organization. We end up giving you away. We just paid you yeah. 75% of eight million. I have to pay for you to go and you're going to rob us of the asset that we paid for. It is not the way it should work. I feel bad for the Buffalo Sabres organization. I don't know what the true story is there, but I'm telling you, I know for a fact, a team that offered a first round pick.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: And there's more than one.
0: Whisper it. And we won't let anybody else hear. It's
1: just us, man. We're just hanging. Yeah. It's just us. Just us.
2: East or West. I cannot whisper who it was, but I literally spoke to a team this morning. I already knew there was other teams, but just to absolutely be able to make that statement, does it matter? Does it matter now? West. Does it matter now? Can you give
0: us east or west? East. East.
2: Yeah. Well, so, Elliot Friedman's on record I, of naming a bunch of teams that yeah, did it. I can always yeah, quote yeah. Elliot. <laughs> yeah. what did Elliot
0: say what did he throw out what team uh,
2: he had Vegas he had St. Louis he had another team. I heard Vegas
0: too I did hear yeah. Vegas uh that one yeah. I could yeah I have not spoken on. to Kelly
2: McCrimmon I'm quoting what what I have spoken to Kelly but not about that but I'm quoting what Elliot wrote not not my own research I like to do my own research too Elliot's amazing he does incredible work but you know we got to do our own like you do yes. And I've always done in the past. So it is what it is. Um, that one, that organization needs a break. They needed something positive come out of this season. Donnie granado has been a positive. He's done a wonderful job. I would have liked to see seen Buffalo get more assets for Taylor Hall.
0: Okay, were you one of those that uh, said, with David Savard, Tampa Bay is the team to beat, or uh... Did You change your mind after watching last night? What was that? Minus four? That's not the way it's supposed to start.
2: No, throw that one in the garbage. Him and Victor Hedman had a rough night. Eddie's um, a great player. He's played great. Looks a little tired to me right now. This season's been tough on the guys to play big minutes. Tampa might have to consider. You know, we, we don't do we don't do load management like you do in Toronto. <laughs> and that, and it, it, And I don't mean in hockey. I mean in basketball. We don't do load management in the NHL very well. But this is the one year I have to say I'm actually in favor of. If you're going on a long playoff run, it's been tough on the guys. I give them a lot of credit. It's been tough on the league too. But it's been really tough on the players. They want to play. They've resoundingly said they want to do this. They know they only have so long to play in their careers. But Victor, to me, looked a little tired last night. David Savard, you can imagine his day. They'll play better. I still love that move for Tampa. They're all in. They should be all in. Have a chance to do something that's only happened twice in like the last twenty-five years. Obviously with Pittsburgh, and then in the late nineties. We know so, the
0: Toronto. Lots. We we know the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, ended up when the. The Nick Felino sweepstakes, I had heard as many as four teams, so the Leafs had to push hard with the first uh and the and the fourth I think um if off the top of my head uh were you surprised that maybe Minnesota didn't up it maybe Marcus and him putting them together is that is that a move maybe many might regret?
2: I'm told that Billy uh, considered it, and Billy Guerin's done an excellent job in Minnesota. I think it was a really prudent decision for him not to overreach there because unlike Tampa and Toronto and Washington, those teams have higher odds than the Minnesota Wild do to win the Cup. They have the type of odds where you can absorb a little more risk. For Minnesota, I felt like it might have been foolish at this point. Not that they couldn't win. They absolutely can but everybody is always trying to make assessments of your club and what your possibilities are, and that's your go button. I think Billy correctly assessed that we're having a great year. They're blowing the lights out in Minnesota, way exceeding expectations, but it's still not our time. And uh, I'm certain he would have wanted to do it because there's no team that doesn't want Nick Felino. and it's not because of the great play. It's, it, it's because of the good play, the character. Um, Toronto has a lot of that, to be fair, and some of the guys they've added, but if they don't always play as many minutes, you know how it is having sat in locker rooms for hundreds of times. The guys that get more clout are the guys that play enough minutes. I think Nick can play enough minutes where his clout and star will be even bigger than a guy like Joe Thornton or Wayne Simmons or even a Jason Spezza who are longstanding great veterans. So I like to move for Toronto. Um, I, I really do. The, the trend has been the last 18 months that we're going to pay first round picks and we're going to specifically engineer our rosters for playoff run. I Every see. team is figuring that out. Yeah. Every team is figuring it out this year, Kipper, because they are playing the same teams over and over and they're engineering their, their rosters for games now. So I like this trend. I see where people are going paying for it. If you're a seller and you can take advantage of that, it's a beautiful thing. So it's
0: still tough for Minnesota to envision themselves coming out of, uh, coming out of the division, eh, with Colorado and Vegas. And then I watch Nashville rise from the dead. They've got St. Louis Blues a few years ago, kind of same script, David Poyle going to be a seller for the first time in what over 30 years, lots, that guy's never a seller. And yet we didn't see him exactly as a buyer, but we certainly didn't see him unload at home. Like we thought a month ago.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. And then I think he's found out he's a valuable guy. Sometimes you got to field some calls because that's what David said. He didn't put Matthias Eck home. All we can do is take him at his word up for sale just fielded calls on them. I think he got a lot more calls than maybe you realize. And sometimes you get so many damn calls that you go, wow, this guy's maybe better than we think he is. Not always, but sometimes that happens. In any event, they've risen from the dead. You're correct. Although I got to tell you last night, yes, I know Hedman and Savard weren't great Boy, the numbers are strikingly poor for backup goaltenders in the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think they have six or seven of their total losses. Four goals at one point, I stopped checking, I think, on nine shots. That's not going to get it done. Just like Washington maybe has a weakness at the goaltending position, I'd say that Tampa, in terms of depth, of all the championship-caliber teams is the worst off. I don't feel like they have anybody they could go to if something happens to Vasilevsky.
0: Few teams have been able to say that over the years with the, with their goaltending for sure. But I'm just, I'm just wondering lots if if, if a lot of finger pointing to David Poyle's uh, way, getting knocked out in the first round, you know, getting, can't, can't beat Carolina, can't beat Tampa Bay. maybe he does, and he looks like a genius. but is this hindsight 2020 getting knocked out? Should, um, told, told I, you you should have unloaded
2: yeah, it, it, it looks to me like it is, but you know what? David has earned the right to take a swing at it. Let's see how they do. If they get you know if it's an Arizona type you know exit from the playoffs last year, then you'll have your answer. Colorado really swamped Arizona last year in the playoffs. And that, it was, wasn't was a good thing. It was a great thing that Arizona made the playoffs. Then by the time it was over, it was like, might have been better if they didn't make the playoffs.
0: Uh, let's stay in that division for a second and just stay on Florida. Montour is going to have some big shoes to fill for, for uh, the right-handed play of uh, Ekblad out of the lineup here. I, well, a few years ago, the ceiling for Montour was really, really good, lots. I thought he had a chance to be a, a really, really good defenseman. Well, really, really, really good defensemen don't get traded for third-round picks. So wh- where's, what is he capable of doing for Florida here again to come out of a division with Tampa Bay and Carolina?
2: Um, I think it's going to be tough for them to come out of that division. But in terms of Montour being able to perform, I actually think he'll be fine. He's played enough minutes. He's young enough. His play was definitely down from his peak in Anaheim. A third rounder, it's not nothing, but I, I actually really loved what Florida did. I loved that they made a move for Montour. They had to do something. but They didn't go crazy. They made a move for Sam Bennett. Um, you know, a second rounder and a player that, you know, for me, that particular prospect is a B-minus prospect. He's lost value from where he was drafted in the second round. You can make it up that you look at Calgary. They got two second rounders for Sam Bennett, yeah. which I my recollection was fourth overall, Kipper. So yeah, yeah. you got two second rounders for your fourth overall no, pick. You, I just you got a second it, it, rounder and a guy who's playing like a fourth or fifth rounder right now. That's the honest evaluation. I don't want to say honest. That's my evaluation. Yeah. Calgary obviously feels better good I hope it works out for them we'll see but at the end of the day the guy was still your fourth overall pick if he gets a chance to play with Barkov I know he'll look better I know he's played with Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan but that's a different animal than Barkoff, this guy can clean up a lot of stuff for players that may not be the fastest may may not be the most skilled may not even be good defensively like this guy can do it all I think he's a really underrated player. So I like the move for that. I actually like the move for Go Gusev. I had I had strong suspicions that for was out for the year. Yeah. So signing a guy like Gusev, I'm not sure that works out for him, but I'd like the bet. I'm not evaluating if it works out. I'm evaluating why would a team do that? So sign a guy for free for that money that may not work out for you, that has the potential with their background there to maybe do well totally okay with that. I like what they did under the radar.
0: Losing Verhage, who's having a tremendous season. Uh, that one stings big time for Florida. Uh, let's, let's switch gears and, and take it to the north because we did touch on uh, Nick Felino a little bit here. Uh, we watched Calgary come in with Riddick uh, in net. Doesn't get the win. Loses it in overtime on a, on a great finish by Johnny Goudreau, which we have not seen uh, many of Uh, during the season, I look at Calgary two teams that I think mirror themselves are Calgary and Philadelphia flyers for me. And that is struggles from top to bottom in your lineup. We know in both those organization lots that you're not going to get a goaltending change anytime soon. Mark Markstrom comes in. He ain't going anywhere. Carter Hart. He ain't going anywhere. But from the net on out, this team, these teams have to almost blow up.
2: I, I, wonder, I agree.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm wondering in the offseason, is there something you could do? Even, I'm not a big believer of making a change for the sake of making a change, but these two organizations, I think, have so underachieved, you almost have to think about maybe even a Voracek for Johnny Gaudreau. And I know there's a four-year difference, so you're going to have to probably add a little bit more towards Calgary. But you're going to have to start with the change of scenery with your top guys.
2: Yeah, well, let's talk about it because I get this question like nightly on NHL Network. Is Daryl Sutter the right coach? Is Elaine Vigneault the right coach for Philadelphia? And I finally just stopped answering it and say, look, yeah, that's that's it's a meaningful question. It's worthy of discussing. But the real question is, are these rosters constructed in a way to win now? That's essentially what you're saying. And to and me, the answer- It's not Daryl
0: Sutter's team. And we've seen that already. This is not a Daryl Sutter team.
2: It's not the question. The question is, is the roster Bill Peters, Jeff Ward, Daryl Sutter? I don't see any demonstrable change. It's not, is it Daryl Sutter? It's, is this team ready to win? We get Scotty Bowman and I don't see it changing. Yeah. You know, I mean, you get LR, it doesn't matter, Kipper, to me. You have to start with the premise of, is our team ready to win? Can we self-evaluate our organization? Honestly, one of the reasons I'm so bullish on the Florida Panthers They went out and hired a new management team, and all of a sudden, the Florida Panthers are good. Everybody was like, Oh my gosh, what happened to Florida? This is incredible. You got some new people to come in and evaluate their players that weren't tied to them. They made some tough decisions. They've moved out a ton of bodies. They've brought in a bunch of new players, and they look better. I'm not saying they need new management in Calgary or Philly. They need fresh eyes on their players, they need new perspective. Yes, Philly has a new coach. Carroll certainly has his own perspective. He doesn't have to go biblical on us, telling us that Johnny Gaudreau has played with Matthew Kachuk since Jesus' time. But
0: yeah. at the end of the
2: day, he's not wrong. That it's stale there. Things need it's, to change.
0: It is. It's really stale. You know how stale it is? Like Milan Lucic now is... Uh, is is a, is a fresh, positive story right now. That's how stale it is.
2: <laughs> and congratulations to Luch. I, yes. I, I loved seeing him get his 1,000th game, but I also loved for just a second, you'll really appreciate that, seeing the look at his eyes. If I am one bad mother, you know what? And I'm coming. He had that for a moment last well, night.
0: He just missed the Gordie like, Howe hat trick,
2: right? I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. Honestly, well, I'm not a big fan of the fighting, but that's been his essence, Skipper. You know that. I look There's at one game. thousandth game. Yeah, I huge. look at,
0: uh, and I'm, of course, you scroll through social media, and they're like, Sabrin, why would he do that? And I'm like, first of all, we're talking about him the next day. If he doesn't do that, no one's talking about him the next day. That's why he did it. He
2: had to do that. But I oh, wasn't yeah, en- I, I wasn't a no en- problem with en- 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 it at all. No, oh, no, I agree. But for just a second, for one second, Luch was locked and loaded, and it looked like two thousand and eleven circa
1: boster Bruins. oh my gosh,
2: that
0: was <laughs> so, that was a nice knockout punch, though. that's uh, yeah,
1: hey, guys, uh, sorry to cut you off. We're having a slight internet issue. I think the stream should be reconnecting here in a second or two, but it's looking like, uh, we're just waiting for it to reconnect. Sorry about that. All right, my sorry. end or your end? My end, my end. Nothing to do. You're looking great as always, yeah. Brian. So what do you want us to do, uh, Jordan? You want us to kind of sit tight? Yeah, just give me, you could keep chatting. It'll reconnect. But I think that uh, oh, we, we should be reconnecting just about right now. So let's just give it a second for people in chat to come back in and stuff like that. Uh, some questions in chat as we wait for that to uh, to fill out. Brian. Is it better to, to make a point and say, hey, I'm not going to trade Taylor Hall for that? Or is it better to let it play out and see what happens in the offseason?
2: Uh, if you're going to be doing it long term, you have to have the jam to say no. But it really was in the setup where it went sideways. It was never going to work out when Boston sniffed out that, oh, you only have one team to trade him to. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can pretty much write. I'll, I'll write the trade down and send it to you.
1: Yeah, take it or leave it. Right, we're back yeah. live now. Thanks for uh, sticking with us through the technical difficulties, everybody. Kipper, it's on you. All
0: right, Jordan. Thank you for navigating us through that. Uh, we're staying in the in the North Division. Lots uh, just talking about uh, Calgary and and the challenges moving forward and how they're going to have to. And the best place to do this for organizations like Flo- uh, Philadelphia and, and Calgary is the off season, right? Brian, you, invite, you invite everybody back to the party, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the prudent thing to do, and I think Chuck Fletcher did this really well, was to you know, really be on top of how the market was evolving. Last year, it was a tremendous seller's market. We saw that with Blake Coleman, Barclay, Goodrow. We even saw it to some degree. It was a really nice return for Yarmo and on Nick Polino. Uh, you can see why those teams are doing it. For, but for Chuck, who was looking to do more hockey trades, we only had the one really, uh, just not the right time. I think he made a prudent decision to just do the toughest thing you do when you're managing a club, and that is to kind of just sit pat and take your medicine. does not feel good. Very slow-moving deal. And uh, I feel bad for Philly, but that's just the way it's turned. I think they've learned a lot about their club this year, and I think they'll figure it out. Just not now. Two, two fan
0: uh, base, Winnipeg and Montreal, would have liked to have seen something a little bit more. They're the teams oh. that their fan base expects to go head-to-head against the Toronto Maple Leafs to come out of the north. And I, I, I get the sense that uh, there's a lot of disappointed fans in Montreal and, and Winnipeg.
2: Yeah, I mean Winnipeg's always kind of anemic. I mean it was a big deal for them just to trade Patrick Liney. So you know, in in truth, I have to. I'm gonna just. I was expecting more on the D side. They weren't able to address that. Um, Edmonton didn't do much either. It's not the right time for them. But I like Kulikov. They knew Kulikov. I think he would have helped their group.
0: Nobody I would certainly. More.
2: On Edmonton, he will, and he would have on Winnipeg. So I think that I think that was a little bit of a miss by them, to be honest with you. I know they got Jordy Ben, but Jordy Ben to me is much heavier body, but he also doesn't fit their style of play as well. So uh, just just okay for them, really. When I add it all up, I, I look
0: at uh, I look at Winnipeg, and if there's one team that can push the Leafs. With their forwards, it's Winnipeg. And yeah, like Austin's going to have to be all world. Tavares is starting to play some good hockey again after really struggling five on five. And then after that, it gets dicey. When you go out and you make a commitment to Pierre Luc Dubois and you already have Scheifele and you got Adam Lowry, you, you're deeper than Toronto. Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, Winnipeg got a nice. They got why, a nice roster.
0: Why not go get a, a significant piece above a Ben and and send a message to your your team? I I, I think it was a miss for Winnipeg. I agree. A big miss.
2: Yeah, I agree. And you know, Chevy's pretty cautious overall. He's done a really great job of being patient there. But now I feel like they're in that window where hey, you know what we've been really patient. We've taken our medicine a number of years. Maybe we should just push it a little bit. You know, maybe we sh- we we've got some players here that are real elite players. Yeah. We got a top goalie. We got top forwards. We got some D I really like. They did a nice job in the Peon trade with for Trubert to at least get somebody back that can play. He's not the biggest guy, but he gives him a little pop. Did a nice job getting Logan Stanley kind of incorporated as a as a bigger man on their back end. Just somebody in between could have played in that top four. Would have been nice for them. They weren't able to do that.
1: Montreal. Uh, all,
2: it's going to hurt him, I think. Yeah. No,
1: I think it's. Hey, hurt. Uh, I'll add to the cutting off here. Some breaking news just came in from our friend Elliot. Uh, expecting an update on Jack Eichel today. Uh, the word is is that the Buffalo captain needs surgery and will get it oh, done soon. He
0: was never coming back. Ever. Ever coming back this season, he'll miss the remainder of this year. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, that's
1: what do you come What back kind
2: of to? surgery does he need?
1: Did it's Elliot not, tell us? He's what not kind saying of surgery uh, it's, needed? A, it's not saying any details on that, just saying it's like surgery. a herniated disc. Yeah. Let's see here. Yep, that's all. That he he got. Just,
0: <laughs> okay, Jack, the, it would, it, they wanted him to come back. Let's just leave it at that. Buffalo was hoping he'd come back and try to be part of creating good energy to finish the season, uh, but it appears that Jack Bryan is going in another direction.
2: I understand that they would want him to come back and create good energy, but at the same time, again, planning. What's your long-term planning? You want to win, some, is... ga- you want to win some games this year so you finish ahead of Ottawa?
1: We also have okay. some news from the Dallas Stars if you guys are interested in that. Yeah, Tyler uh, Sagan coming yeah, back? No, uh, GM Jim Nil offered the following update on goaltender Ben Bishop and forward Alexander Raduloff. Ben uh, Bishop. No, no will, Sagan. Yeah, Ben Bishop will not return this year, allowing him time to continue rehab. And uh, Raduloff will require surgery to repair a core, mis- uh, core muscle injury. The surgery will force him to miss the remainder of the season, and he'll be back for next season.
0: Wow. I thought there was a chance that Rajulov would come back. Taylor uh, Tyler, Sagan, we' talked so much to Taylor Hall. Uh, Sagan uh, has been skating, and I think, uh, oh, I'm pulling a Doug McLean where my phone's going off. And I think he w- he's supposed to start skating with the team, Sagan, pretty soon. So I at this point, Dallas, even with those games in hand that are disappearing,
2: I, I, I think they needed Radulov, Ben Bishop. That part would have been nice to get him back, but Jake Odgers filled in nicely, had a really beneficial year, quite frankly. And Hudobin, that's not their problem. These guys have been stopping pucks as well as you could hope for. Uh, but but Radulov injury really really hurts them, in my opinion. They haven't been the same team. They're close. Kipper, you and I have talked about this also offline, of course, because we talk often. Uh, Dallas, to me, was at the start of the year, was third best team in that division. They were behind Tampa and Carolina, but ahead of Florida. Uh, Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Um, They just can't score. Jason Robertson's been incredible. Rupe Hintz is a great talent, but he continues to be injured a lot. He missed last night's game as well. Until they get some more forwards in there that can contribute on a nightly basis, it's a little bit of a tough deal for them because they've got three. And really, Jamie Oleksiak, Toronto native, has played awesome. He's played awesome for them. So they got four good D. You should be able to be competitive with that. They are competitive, but the lack of scoring is killing them. And that's really bad news for them on Radulov. Sounds like he's got a hernia, sports hernia. Not that uncommon. These guys train so hard in their lower body, they rip their inner... Four. Just happens. Not like us. We didn't train hard enough to do that, Kipper.
0: Just want to get one more thought on on Montreal. We we saw them beat the Leafs. That should be a psychological something for them, but lots I didn't see much out of out of Montreal. And I I've watched Eric Stahl now a couple of games. I, <laughs> I don't see any juice at all there.
2: That's the best story for Buffalo is that the return they got for Eric Stahl. <laughs> to be honest with you, because I do think, I said it right away, that's a great return for Eric Stahl, and everybody said, are you kidding? we got a ton of draft picks, and who cares, and he's a veteran, and I know he is, but I've watched Eric quite a bit, and I love Eric Stahl. I have tremendous respect for him. The leg power is not there, and it's not due to COVID. It's just, the guy has played a ton of hockey. Mark Bergeron, nobody has worked harder than him, Kipper. We have to give him that It's been scramble mode from the get go, um, and they're going to make the playoffs. So it's mission accomplished there. But in terms of doing any damage, it solely rests on Carey Price.
0: If if I'm not mistaken, Calgary has five left against Montreal. Would they have to run the table here?
2: Calgary would have to run the table. Yes, That's that's what I'm saying. Yes.
0: Uh, yes, I, was, I thought any? maybe you meant,
2: but I, I don't know. Uh,
0: no, is there any chance at all? They, you just you just threw out that they're going to make the playoffs, and I'm, I'm like, okay, there's five games still against Montreal. If they win three or four, can that put a ton of pressure here to make it a, a, a fun race?
2: They'd have to win four of them, in my opinion. Montreal, one thing about Montreal is they don't win a lot. They don't have a lot of wins in regulation. <laughs> they lose a lot in overtime. Yeah. As much as anybody in the league. And good for them for that. But that's usually a precursor to you maybe taking a, a step up down the road, depending on the age of your roster and the actual makeup of it. I don't know if that's going to happen for Montreal. I just know that uh, Berge is the hardest-working GM in the NHL. He's tried everything and anything. He'll definitely make the playoffs, in my opinion. but. Calgary is not mathematically eliminated, um, but I don't know where it goes from there. It just feels like there was a real strong mandate. We do everything we can to be in the playoffs. And he's okay. done
0: that. I lots. Just don't know great, if it's going to work out. Great wall-to-wall coverage of of, of uh, what transpired in the last uh, 24, 48 hours for us. Really appreciate it. I, I said on the top of the show, I'm, I'm so intrigued out of this 15-year-old in the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard, who. Uh, For those of you that don't know, uh, was uh, given exceptional status. That's a term used for 15-year-olds to play junior hockey here in Canada uh, in the CHL to go up against 17, 18, 19, and yes, 20-year-olds. And we've seen it in the past with Connor McDavid, John Tavares, Shane Wright is a name that we're going to hear in the pro ranks very, very soon. Another guy that was gained uh, exceptional status and they've all at, at 15 showed tremendous promise and tremendous upside. But what they didn't show was an, a dominance to put the puck in the net. And that's what this 15 year old has done to start his, uh, junior career with Regina Pat's is, He's lit it up like we've never seen before. And just to give it some some context here, I think uh, Tavares, Mc, uh, McDavid, they probably averaged about uh, a little over a point a game. This guy is yep. un- just under two.
2: I I am fully aware. I check out him. Yeah. No, no, generally lots, every lots. week.
0: This, this isn't for you. This is for everybody listening here to 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 truly understand uh what we have witnessed you know in the last two months out of this guy, and I think there's nobody better on the planet to talk about this because uh you went through it as a phenom uh, as a teenager, guy that uh was uh, playing amongst men way before you should have. Put you in a Absolutely. position to be talked about, one of the greatest U.S. Uh, players to ever be developed, and you—you you could look at Connor right now and go, "I know exactly what that's like right now, and the pressure, sure. and and dealing with it now." But from afar, from your eyes, what have you seen out of Connor? That uh, it's been incredible so far.
2: Yeah, I mean, the incredibleness is—it starts with just looking up stats on players. So you go to his stats and he's first in the league in points. Now I haven't looked in seven days because his trade deadline deal can be a little bit all encompassing, (laughs) but I was following him regularly. I couldn't believe the things he was doing. I'd go and I'd watch his clips after games and stuff like that. And uh, he looks like an older player, especially some of the video that you get out of junior. (laughs) But when you really zoom in close, he's not the biggest guy. That's really unique, but he's still only 15. Um, Looks incredibly young, obviously, because he is. I know more about him than maybe my own family. I saw his grandfather passed away, and that was big news. And, you know, it, it feels like these are like John Tavares, Connor McDavid, these guys were junior superstars. Canada affords that for kids now. And when we drafted Victor Hedman, I interviewed together, John Tavares, Victor Hedman, and Matt Duchesne. And Matt Duchesne was a million miles. Victor Hedman was behind John Tavares in the maturity from the experience of what they go through. So when I look at Connor Dart, I think, my goodness, what an experience and what a fine line it is to tipping that over. You got to be so careful. Like, and And I'm sorry, his grandfather passed away, but When I saw that, I thought, oh, my gosh, this guy has a team already of managers, personnel, whatever. He's 15 years old. I'm a big believer in patience, partly because through my own career. I played as a just-turned-18-year-old in the NHL. It was different back then. I dressed six games, never played a shift. Wow. Came to the rink, dressed six games. Never played a shift. Played in ten other games where I played less than three shifts. Nobody gave a shit about your confidence. They just expected me to come back tomorrow and be happy about it, and not recognize that I'm on a team where the MF and coach can't work me in a shift. In the game, <laughs> like. There's so many things that can happen to you when you're young that could happen to me now. And I'd laugh about it. It wouldn't affect me. But when you're 17 or 15 in this case, you have to really be on guard for what a young man is processing in his mind. It could be thoughts of greatness before you're great. It could be thoughts of doubt. For somebody that you think would never have it. There's so many things going on. I, I always cringe this. when I see these guys, Kipper, I do. Sorry, we we watched
0: this. Yeah, we watch this and we see no weakness out of this guy. And the confidence must be through the roof to be able to now go toe to toe with guys 4 and 5 years older than you and to have a shot to have a shot that could resemble something in the NHL and be 15 and you're telling me there's still a small window where this might be too much, too soon for him?
2: I think so. I just think you have to really be on top of it. You have to be a grounded kid. I played in high school hockey when I was 14. And I'll never forget it. The coach was a great guy, Bill Belisle, still alive to this day in his 90s. And he literally made me dress in the other locker room all year long. And then I would come join the team. Just to protect you? Just to protect me he absolutely did he treated me like the players couldn't believe how he treated me because he talked to me and there were seniors that said this is unbelievable he never talked to me till I was a senior I'm like but I dress by myself in the other room and I come over here and play but he had just a good feel for the human aspect of it I'm thankful for the opportunity but I was really thankful to have some people then around me that understood the magnitude of it if Connor has that and he can stay grounded it's going to be just fine for him. But if that goes just a little bit sideways, Uh. it can be really ugly. Sean Day is another guy that you didn't mention. Sean was a massive man. He is a massive man. but The talent wasn't as massive, and it didn't work out for him, obviously. So it doesn't always end up perfect. I haven't seen anything not to love about Connor thus far. I think he's going to be amazing, but I still cringe a little bit and hope for him that gets to be a kid gets to enjoy that part of his life and he stays really on a really good track
0: as also brian the many hats that you wear you've worn the one of an agent Mm -hmm. right with octagon and for a 15 year old To be doing what he's doing is great, but that would also mean that he was recruited by professional agents at age, what, 12, 13? 100%.
2: What are we doing here? Uh, It's actually one of the reasons I'm not an agent anymore. I saw the business going that direction, and I said, really enjoyed it, loved starting. I started Octagon Hockey. They live on today. They do terrific. Mike Lute does an amazing job running that firm it um, really, I, I lost my appetite for wanting to do it. I'm still a player's guy in my heart, but that part I wasn't crazy about.